I love that you mentioned that you know exactly what you want and that you're not settling for a guy who just doesn't really match your vibe. Can you speak more on that? Because I feel like a lot of girls today are in these shitty relationships because they're scared to be alone. When I moved back from college, I had roommates all of college. And when I was looking, I lived back home for a few months before I found my place. And I remember I was like thinking, do I want a roommate or do I not want a roommate? And my dad sat me down. He's like, you know, Emily, I think it's really important for you to be by yourself for a little and pay your own rent and and pay and do your life on your own. My parents really wanted me to know how to be independent. These little things that my parents put in me just made me who I am today. So now like I really don't need anyone. Like I've lived happily on my own for the last seven years. I love my apartment. My biggest fear is like, wait, if a guy moved in here, where would they move? Cause like, this is my space. <laughs> where would you put um, all of your stuff? <laughs> Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to Bougie Best Friend Podcast. I'm on a little career kick, so I'm interviewing a bunch of people whose careers I admire and whose energy I admire and whose networking skills I admire, and today's episode is exactly that. I spoke to Emily Sobel. Emily is a personal, dear friend of mine, and when we first connected when I moved to Miami, I just immediately admired her energy, her networking skills, her drive, her passion, her just I love her as a person, but I really admire her on the business side of things. So Emily is 30 years old. She's born and raised in Miami. She is an influencer marketing consulting agency and an influencer herself. And she's just an overall a wealth of knowledge when it comes to all things networking, marketing, and influencer world. She went to school for fashion marketing and merchandising at the Savannah College of Art and Design. And then she spent most of her time in college interning in New York, where she worked for magazines such as Harper's Bazaar, Seventeen Magazine, and so on and so forth. So Emily really has a lot of experience working in the media world and as an influencer herself. So I think this episode is going to be a really good episode for anybody who wants to know more about the influencer world, marketing, and networking, and just get some really good tangible tips of how to pitch yourself to an event. I often get asked, how do I go to all these events and how do I get connected to so many people and how do I, just how do I do it? And in this episode, I asked Emily exactly how does she do it? Because she is, I think, the most connected person in Miami, like hands down. And she shared a lot of her tips and tricks in this episode. And I highly suggest that you check out Emily's Instagram to see how does she create that content that makes brands keep on coming back to work with her. Okay, before we get into the episode, you know that I love to read your reviews because your reviews make me so happy. This one came from Vidisha. One of the many bougie besties, that's the title. Listening to Coco is literally the light of my life every single time. Aw. I love your energy. I love what you're doing. I know growth matters and any amount of love for you is not enough. So truly lots and lots of positive energy to you. Hugs. Love, Vidisha. Oh, I don't know why these reviews always make me so emotional. I I just really appreciate them so much. And I would love to invite anybody who did not leave a review yet to leave a five-star rating and review because it helps the show grow more than you can possibly imagine. Okay, now let's get into the episode. Emily Sobel, welcome to Bushi Best Friend Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. For some reason, I always like to say your name, Emily Sobel, like your full name. It just flows really nicely. Just let your parents Thank you. Yeah, I feel like that's become a thing. I never thought about it, but more and more people do that. I'm like, okay, it's a whole whole name, a whole brand. (laughs) 
So Emily, we are friends in real life, and now you're going to become friends with all of my bougie's besties who are listening. I'm so Let's excited. Let's start with the basics. I always like to have, you know, where you're from, how old, you, you know, the basics so they can get to know you, and then we're going to dive into the conversation. Okay, so I'll just, I'll kick it off. Um, I'm born and raised in Miami Beach. I am 30 years old. I went to art school at the Savannah College of Art and Design where I got a degree in fashion marketing and I thought I was going to pursue a career becoming a market editor in magazines. So I worked in New York for a little at Seventeen Magazine, Harper's Bazaar, in the dawn of Instagram and social media. So as I was working at those magazines, social media started piquing my interest and it was back in the very, very early days. So no one really knew what they were doing, but I had a blog in college and the word influencer was not a thing. And 17 Magazine posted me on their Instagram. I got a ton of followers and something clicked in me where I was like, maybe social media is gonna be more of a career for me than I thought it would be. And yeah, here we are. I graduated. I moved back home. I worked at a social media agency and eventually I went out on my own and started my own marketing agency. Let's talk about your move to New York. Did you always wanted to go to New York? Did you, did you thought that was like a next step? Tell me about your experience I was, in New York. I was a very stubborn teenager. I thought I knew what I wanted as most teenagers do. And I was very lucky to have very supportive parents. I was very creative from a young age. Like I kind of leaned into the whole artsy kid over academia at a very young age and knew that I wanted to paint and draw and do fashion. So my parents let me lean into that. So you know, they let me go to art school and go to special high school and take all these art classes and kind of push everything else to the side as long as I committed to working really hard and interning and working where I had to in order to get into the world I wanted to be. So I wanted to work in New York. So my parents were like, okay, work in New York, make it happen. So um, my senior year of high school, my best friend to this day, her family had an apartment in New York that was empty over the summer. So our parents were like, if you girls can get jobs, you can go to New York by yourselves and work. And I remember we were like searching online the Shopbop website where they used to have all the brands outlined. And I don't know how we got their emails, but like we just like cold called every single brand until a brand was like, okay, come work for us for free over the summer. So I got an internship at this jewelry company called Bang Bang Jewelry by Anna Sheffield. She's an amazing high-end jewelry designer. And I like worked as an intern in a jewelry like studio for the entire month or the entire summer and was living in New York and I loved it. I, I was obsessed and I knew that it was where I wanted to be and I had so much I wanted to do and I didn't necessarily want to work in jewelry, but I loved being in the business of it and seeing the marketing and all of this, but I didn't know what marketing was and I didn't know it could be a career. Social media was not a thing when I was doing this. I remember I didn't even have an iPhone. I think I had a Blackberry. So I had to print out MapQuest directions to go on the subway, but I I just fell in love with it. So from there, I ended up getting an internship at 17 Magazine because they had come to Miami my senior year of high school and my mom made me keep the contact that I had met at 17 Magazine, which kind of is funny looking back now because I'm still the same way where it's like you just network, 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 you build your list of friends and potential clients and you never know what kind of doors it may open 
whether it's tomorrow or in 10 years. So I modeled for 17 magazine my senior year. And then two years later, when I was ready to get college credits for interning, I reached out to that contact. I got an internship at 17 magazine. And then I ended up spending every single summer of college going to New York and working in that world instead of going abroad and partying with my friends. So I was a hustler when I was young. I was very thirsty and ambitious and I thought I knew everything and I wanted to do everything. And then, you know, man plans, God laughs, social media came out my sophomore year of college. And I remember like looking around, I was interning at Harper's Bazaar my junior year. And I remember looking around and thinking, I don't know if this is for me. Like everyone seems a little miserable. I don't know if like this is the <laughs> lifestyle. I'm from Miami. Like I don't do cold well. I don't do roommates well. Just little things that I started to get a little older and a little wiser and realizing like New York isn't going to be this like fluffy, beautiful place that I get to stay in a free apartment and all my parents' dime. It's like if I want a career, it's going to be really hard for me to have the lifestyle that I want. So after Harper's Bazaar, as much as I loved it, I, something went off in me where I was like, I think social media is about to be a huge thing. So I moved back home to Miami after college and thought to myself, I could make Miami the best. I didn't love it growing up, but I think it was because I was just being stubborn. So I moved back home and I told myself that if I didn't get a job within six months, I would continue on my New York plan and go to New York. And now almost 10 years later, I have not looked back. I've been in Miami. It's been the best place ever for this type of career. And now all the New Yorkers are here, as you know. <laughs> me, me included. When I first yes. met you, we... I don't even know when, where, where did we exactly meet, but I know when I met you, I was like, there's something about her that reminds me of myself. And then when we started talking, it was this New York drive and, you know, you're just so ambitious to make a name for yourself. And basically that is the gist of this conversation is how to create a name for yourself. So tell me, looking back to New York and all of those experiences some of the things that you learned while interning and hustling and just like working for free, because I feel like younger generations today, they don't understand how important it is to sometimes just do something for free because yeah. that's going to lead you to something else. But also there's a fine line between doing stuff for free and getting taken advantage of. And totally. also, you know, let's, let's speak more on that New York experience. And what did you learn? Well, my New York interning experience was the end of the working for free era. Like I think it was the summer after people started suing Condé Nast and Hearst for free internships. And looking back, it is actually crazy what I did for free, but it built my resume and it opened up a lot of doors for me. But um, believe it or not, I was quite reserved when I was younger. I think I was, I didn't really know who I was and I thought everyone was so much cooler and better than me. And I would be in these like offices and Oprah, Mag Oprah magazine was in Hearst Tower and I would see like Gail in the lobby and all these big people. And I just thought I was so little and so irrelevant compared to all of these people that I kind of just let myself like stick to the shadows, mind my own business, show up on time, do the work, do whatever I have to make myself, you know, get a good review for school, get this done and add it to my resume. And then I remember when I worked at Harper's Bazaar, I 
It was the summer of my 21st birthday. So I chose to start the internship a month later than all of the other interns. And I was going to stay later. So at first it was great. And then I went to this internship and everyone had already been there for a month. And I was kind of like the outsider. And I remember thinking to myself, I can either be miserable and hate this, or I'm going to really just try to put my best foot forward and make up for the lost time and show everyone that just because I got here late doesn't mean I'm worth any less. And that mentality kind of just stuck with me because it worked. I Some of my friends from Harper's Bazaar are still my closest friends to this day. We were all stuck in a fashion closet together. And as soon as I got over that like mental block of they're better than me, they know more than me. Like, no, at the end of the day, I think everyone, no matter how old you are, no matter what industry you're in, you kind of are faking it till you make it. You know, like we're all figuring it out. We're all doing it day by day. So when I kind of built up that confidence of like, no, I'm meant to be here. I also got this internship. I now realize it looking back that it really gave me the nice little push I need to go after everything I wanted and applying for internships. I got every single internship I applied for. I really worked hard. I kissed a lot of ass. I showed up to every meeting and (laughs) I, I attribute that to my parents. My dad has an incredible work ethic as does my mom, but my dad and I, we just are like the same person. He's a boss lawyer that everyone respects and no one messes with. And I was like, okay, I can do that. Like I'm going to be like that too. I don't necessarily want to be in law, but no one questions him. So why should people question me just because I was like some 21 year old kids. So, you know, working in New York really like gave me the, the mentality and the thick skin that I needed to kind of realize that like, I'm just, uh, I'm meant to be here just like everyone else. So like, why can't I do it? And that's just kind of been the way I've thought about everything since and moving forward. So then you moved back to Miami. Why did you decide to move back to Miami? I think I was over the fantasy of New York. I think what a lot of people think about New York is the the fan like Eloise at the plaza like sex in the city like we grow up seeing New York on TV and in movie and Gossip Girl and you think like okay this is it and like don't get me wrong New York is amazing but actually living there as a fashion student I'm not making enough money to sustain a life you know to save money to not be bothering my parents the industry I wanted to work in the magazines I I hate to say it but it was kind of is it's not a dying industry I think they just need to evolve. But it was one of those things where I'm like, wait, am I going to be working for like $30,000 a year hoping to get a market editor position? But like, I might not because there's a million other people. So I think when I was graduating, I just sat myself down and I was like, do I want to do this? Or do I want to have time to have a social life and go to happy hours and, you know, be close to my family? So I don't know. I really didn't like Miami growing up, but like I said, I was very stubborn. Like I thought I knew what I wanted. And Mm. I feel like people were telling me that like, you need to move home and be with your family. So I wanted to do the opposite. But when I grew up a little and realized that it's actually really nice to be close to home and around my family and I saw, I moved back home in 2014. So Miami was just becoming what it was. Like it was still great, but the design district was totally different. Everything was just slowly blossoming into what it was. And I think something in me knew that Miami would turn into everything I needed it to be. I just needed to be a little patient. And it turned out to be the biggest blessing in disguise because I got my foot in the door in Miami and in this industry, in the social world, in the magazine world so much sooner than a lot of these like newer influencers did. My mom 
made me take my portfolio once I graduated. I had like a fashion portfolio of styling and art and all the things that I did. She made me set up a meeting with the then editor and chief of Ocean Drive, who she knew because Jews in Miami know each other. And I remember like walking into his office with like my art school portfolio and he was like, what do you want me to do with this? And I was like, I don't know. Look at it. Look what I can do. And he's like, I, I know. And now looking back, he's, he's still a friend. I consider him a mentor. He has a huge agency now, but I remember he was like, I don't have a job for you now, but I'm going to start adding you to the invite list because you know, ocean drive magazine has cover parties and whatever. So people would joke that I would go to the opening of an envelope in my early twenties. And it's true. Like I would say yes to everything, but I would go, I would show face, I would get my picture taken and tell them my name. And then I would network and meet the people running these magazines. So now everything that comes to Miami, I don't have to do that anymore. So I don't know, the young ambitious kid in me really set myself up for success later in life. But it's funny because now people are like, how do you get invites everything? I'm like, a little offended. I'm like, I've put in 10 years of work. Like this didn't just happen. So I don't know. I love Miami. I I'm so happy I'm here. It's, it's crazy to think that I almost didn't do it, but you know, life. <laughs> I can definitely agree with the New York fantasy. When I first moved there, I was in New York for seven and a half, eight years. I was super hungry. I was super ambitious. I was doing pretty much the same thing that you were doing, but just in the beauty space because I was a makeup artist. And I was so, so ambitious. And I'm grateful for all of those days in New York. They installed this work ethic that I have today. But I agree, at some point, it just becomes a little exhausting. And when I first moved to Miami, I was hoping to stay here. Not hoping, I was planning to stay here for six months. And then I just loved it so much. And I decided that I want to stay here for the time being we'll see how long it's gonna last but i'm like super happy here and yeah i'm happy that a lot of these new york people moved down here when i when i say that i'm like i'm happy that that mentality moved down here because before when i was coming to miami i just always thought miami is like a party city that people just come to, yeah. to vacation to relax but it just became such a more business focused city what you mentioned about events and getting invited to everything you are actually the queen of networking and i want (laughs) to spill some secrets teach our listeners how to network and how to get past this imposter syndrome i'm naturally pretty good at networking and i can just approach someone and say hi and introduce myself but for somebody who's really shy but they are super ambitious but they maybe just have this wall currently how would you what would you suggest how can they start just like talking to people and connecting so what i tell myself for all these things especially in the early days now it's a little different but everyone in this world the publicists the girls running the invite lists at the door and making these lists they're all people just like us you know they all have jobs to do and bosses to report to just like us so like why wouldn't they want us there? I feel like Miami is such a collaborative place with so many new things popping up that we're all kind of doing each other favors by showing up to events and supporting and posting. So I don't know. I, especially if you're shy, you really have to get out of your head. And I know that's a lot easier said than done. I too struggle with imposter syndrome. Every time I post something on Instagram, I'm like, do people actually care? Like, are we all sick of looking at me? I I think I am. (laughs) Yeah. And I see when I care about your your, stuff too. I love your page. (laughs) Thank you. But you know, I think my point is, is I may seem like this outgoing, confident person, but like, don't worry. Like I lay in bed and I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? But I think if you're shy, you just have to 
to do what you have to do to get out of your head and just think like, what's the worst that can happen? They say no. Okay. They say no and move on. And guess what? One day that person who said no to you is going to be like, Hey, can you come to my party? Mm-hmm. Can I pay you to come to my party? Because I need you there. Mm-hmm. That's always how it happens. And at the end of the day, Miami is such like a special silly place where like, I don't know. It's not that serious. I think that's my biggest thing. Don't take it too seriously. Obviously, if this is work, I take my work very seriously and I hope people respect me just like I respect them. But like these parties are just parties. You're not always going to get invited to everything. I don't get invited to everything. And sometimes it, I'm a little butthurt about it, but you also don't get what you don't ask for. So if you're going to be shy and, and be in this world, maybe you need to reconsider or figure out ways to like be able to step out of your comfort zone because another thing like in the influencer space, if you're really nice and personable online, but then you go to a party and you're in the corner with your phone the whole time, like people aren't, that's not going to translate well. So you need to do like personal practices, whatever that may be to kind of hype yourself up and get over that. Because at the end of the day, like we're all human, we're probably all feeling the same thing, but some people are better at just saying, you know what, screw it. Like I, I want to go to this party. So I'm going to email and ask to be included on the list. And then that opens up doors because nine times out of 10, the publicists just like, don't know you exist. And that's not a bad thing, but we're in this world where there's a hundred new viral TikTokers every single day and all these new influencers. So, you know, it doesn't hurt to reach out to the publicists and re and, and introduce yourself. With that said, I wouldn't just email or DM and say, get me an invite to this party. I think to set yourself up for success, make sure you present yourself professionally and give them a reason why they should be inviting you and tell them. So shoot the PR and email, send your media kit and say, Hey, I saw you're having this party and a few of my creator friends were invited. I'm not sure if we've met, but I wanted to introduce myself. I'm X, Y, and Z. This is what I do. And I think I'd be a great addition to your PR list. Attaching my media kit. Let me know if you want to hop on a call and discuss further. It's as simple as that. And I they'll, was they'll invite you. about to ask you if you can give me an <laughs> example. And without me even asking you, just you just gave me the perfect <laughs> example of how to pitch yourself to a media list or publicist or however you want to call it. Okay, this was amazing. Thank you very much for this. And I will absolutely so write it down in case <laughs> I need it at some point. Tell me more about your work. What do you do today? So I am the founder and I basically run all things Emily Sobel Media Inc., which is basically the business I started over COVID because I started getting busier as an influencer, as a consultant, as a part-time contractor. And I had to sit down and realize, okay, like this is a business. I need to be smarter when it comes to taxes and clients and retainers and all of that. So I have a marketing and consulting agency where I work with clients on their influencer marketing strategies, um, whether that be creative for content creation, for PR gifting, event invites, or even just like influencer introductions. And then I do a little bit of social media still just because like that's my jam and I love the creative side of it. So while I am quite selective with my social media clients, I do have a handful of social clients where I just create their monthly content and we have fun creating TikToks and Instagram reels and keeping up with trends. And then a whole other thing is I consult with a lot of people, whether it be publicists or brands looking to expand into the Miami market or other people like me who want to expand their creative career and potentially become influencers. I do a lot of consulting on that part just because I think having one-on-one conversations with people and really getting to know them and what they're looking for is the best use of time. 
in a city like Miami where we're getting so many new things and there's so many people, you know, if you're coming from New York or LA or wherever, you may not know this market. I realized that there was a huge gap when it came to this world when I would go to a party in August on a rooftop and you look around and I don't see any local creators. It's like people they've flown in and no local partners and we have all of that here. So these brands need to do better at finding it. So I often get hired by big brands and people that I'm already a consumer of as their quote unquote Miami consultant, which is something I'm really proud of because I am born and raised here and I love this city so much. I've always seen its potential and you know, I live on Miami beach and I put myself out there and I feel like I know what's going on. So I like that the most. And then I do influencer stuff sometimes. It's one of those things that when I started my fashion blog in college, there was no way I could have ever known like influencers were going to become a thing. And like I mentioned earlier, I was posted on 17 magazine, literally in the heyday of Instagram, like back when you would tag someone and thousands of people would follow them. (laughs) There was no stories. It was just feed posts and filters. Um, I got like 5,000 followers from 17. And then I remember like this store called edge of verge in North Carolina reached out to me and they wanted to send me stuff. And I was like, wait, what? You would send me free stuff. (laughs) And I would get my photography friends at SCAD because they were trying to build their portfolio to help me take pictures. And it just eventually turned into Instagram influencing and my followers got bigger and opportunities kept coming. And I just, I realized that the influencer stuff is amazing because I've done things and I've met people and I've traveled to places that I would not have done ever. And I've somehow made a career out of all the things that like I've always wanted to do and I like to do. And it just, makes sense so I do a lot but that's everything I do (laughs) you know what I think it's really important that we mentioned that it doesn't even matter how many followers you have obviously the numbers matter but sometimes if you're a brand trying to partner up with somebody and they have a million followers but they are not your target demo and they don't have your target audience it's pretty much going to hurt your not hurt your brand but you're going to partner up with somebody who's going to provide zero value to who you're trying to reach. Can you speak more on that when you're consulting your brands? What would you suggest like when they're partnering with influencers? Yeah, I never look at the follower number. The first thing I look at is the type of content they create. And then I look at their demographics. What are their top locations? Are you a Miami brand looking to hire a Miami creator? Okay, so what are their insights look like? Are their dem- Is their demographic based solely in Miami or there's, is there a demographic based in New York? If you're a restaurant, I don't, you have to figure out what makes sense. For me, I have about 22.4 thousand followers, I think, which is not high, especially in this day and age of influencers. But I pride myself on the content that I work really hard on and the stories that I'm able to tell and create when I go to places and that's what I lean on and that's what I look for because I think there's so much more value than just the follower number. I'll give you an example. Pre-COVID, I was invited on a trip to Thailand with a beauty brand. It was the most amazing experience of my life. I had probably 18,000 followers at the time. And I remember I got on the trip and I was like, why am I here? Like all these girls are huge. (laughs) And I asked, I straight up asked the PR girls. I'm like, what made you ask me to be here? Like, I'm not a YouTube makeup artist. I'm just like an everyday girl who's done a lot of shopping and a lot of research. And I have a lot of skin issues and I talk to a lot of doctors. So, you know, I've always been the friend that people have confided in, but never on the internet. And the PR girls were like, we just love your content and you're so real. And and it's, and I do sell product. Like you, you can see it in my code usage. Like I'm very transparent. So while I may not have a million followers, 
everyone I partner with in, they end up getting clients or sales or whatever it may be, which at the end of the day is what everyone wants. So I don't know. The follower number is not something to stress about. I think it's important to just like really stay true to who you are and remember like why you're doing this. If you're trying to be an influencer just because you want the free stuff, like maybe it's not going to work then. I did not go into this thinking I would get all of these opportunities. Obviously, it's a big reason why I like to still do it. But um, I just like having a space to share what I love. And it's kind of like an archive so that one day when I'm older, I can look back and see how my style has changed, how my makeup has changed, the trips I've gone on, the things I've loved. Because as a consumer, things are always changing and evolving. And I think it's really cool that I get to have like a diary on the internet that people care about. So we, I think we also need to discuss how, when you go to events, besides what you already mentioned, you can't just like stand in the corner and be on your phone and be all shy. You also have to be really nice to people Yeah, because you never want to be that person that is standoffish or seems entitled or is just spreading that vibe that you are better than everybody else on this event because people are going to talk and people are not going to want to work with you and i think that you know if you later on you want to connect with somebody maybe you were rude to them without even remembering that you were rude to them so that's something that i felt a few times while i was in this influencer world that some other other creators were a little bit like standoffish and i'm like i will never in my life connect with you again because i never want right. to feel like i'm less than and you don't forget things like that. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm big on first impressions. I feel like I have a really good judge of character, which is why you and I get along so well. I think we align on a lot of that. And when we're at events, like we're not just like standing in a corner talking to ourselves. We're paying attention. Who's putting on this event? Who's here? Let's go say hi. Let's go introduce ourselves. Because like I said earlier, everyone, we're all on the same boat. Like we're all just trying to do our jobs and make money and be happy and be successful. So in this influencer world, What's the point if you're not going to embrace it, if you're not going to make friends? One of the best parts about being in an influencer community is the friends that I've made. Some of my best friends are from this this community, and that wouldn't have happened if I was standing by myself alone in a corner. Also, we're in a, a place where people love cancel culture, and I would never, ever want to be that person that people said was so rude in person and blah, blah, blah. Like That to me is a huge fear. Like I always want to practice kindness. Like, I just feel like I'm not better than anyone else just because I have somewhat of a following. Like, it doesn't mean anything at the end of the day. What happens if Instagram and TikTok disappear? Then what are these people going to do? Who are their real friends? What is, what's the point? So I don't know. I go to these events not for anything but to network and to meet the people behind these brands that I love. I went to a CoverGirl party last night and I ended up sitting on a couch with the three of the girls who work for the CoverGirl team, the social media girl, the influencer marketing girl, and a product development girl. And to me, as a consumer, I've been using CoverGirl my whole life. So if someone had told me 15 years ago that one day I would be at an event talking to the girls who make these products happen, I would have freaked out. So I try to <laughs> lean, I try to focus on that. I think that's the coolest thing. We get opportunities to brush shoulders and be in rooms and have dinner with Makeup by Mario, with La Prairie, with these huge conglomerates that we've been fans and consumers of probably your whole life too, especially if you're in the beauty industry. So I don't know, the next time you're shy or you think like you should stand in a corner, maybe think like, how can I utilize my time wisely? Time is money. I'm not just going to a party to drink and eat. I'm going to party to get my picture taken, to make sure people know I was there and to maybe get a new client or business contact, you know? 
And it goes so, it goes such a long way. I've had coffee with so many of these publicists who've reached out saying they're coming to Miami. And some people will be like, I'm so busy. I don't have time for coffee. I'm like, no, we all have time for coffee. You never know what it leads to. And most of my, I don't do any client outreach. All of my clients come to me because I've put in that work. So it really pays, it pays off. You just, it's a patient process and you really got to just like get over the mental block of like, what if they don't like me? Because they're going to like you. It's, you just be yourself. It's all good. I remember when I got this Makeup and Mario invite, I was like staring at my phone for five minutes for sure, because I, uh, growing up being a makeup artist and Mario is obviously from the same area that I am. I always looked at him as such a mentor and as such a, I was admiring him so much. And when I, I think back in 2016, I was going to his master classes and I was, I was like the biggest fan. Whenever he would drop a product, I would buy like the first person ever. And then when I got an invite for that event, the launch of his foundation, I was just, it was just such a full circle, similar to what you just mentioned with CoverGirl. I was like, I just can't believe how crazy life is sometimes. And when I was like, they know who you are. I was showing him my photos. Yes. And they like, I was showing them photos back in 2016, me standing in line in New York on Times Square. And it was just such a surreal moment. And I think that I, I, that was absolutely the highlight of my January. And I definitely, that's so nice. And I get it. Yeah. And that, and that's why we do what we do because I think like opportunities like that, I, 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 every day I'm so grateful. I try not to take anything for granted. I realize that like I could get off any PR list any day. I just think people lose sight of like what we're doing. Like influencer, like this, this, this job that was not a job five years ago opens up so many doors and opportunities. So you went to the makeup by Mario dinner. What a shame would it have been if you didn't walk up to him and tell him that, you know, like there's just mm-hmm. some things in life where like, if you don't seize the opportunity, then like you're going to miss out. And that's a choice people are going to make. But for me, I just live in a day. Like I, I have nothing to lose. Everything I've gotten is because I've worked for it and I've asked for it and things don't just come to you. So I don't know networking it can be a really really awesome beautiful thing i think you just need to get over the insecurity because we all we all have our shit (laughs) so basically when you are trying to approach somebody at an event your suggestion would be let's say saying hi my name is so-and-so and i am an influencer slash something something give us a little spiel what would you usually say well there's two types of situations i feel like or a few okay so number one if you get invited to an event and the pr people are there who invited you the first thing i do when i get to an event is kind of suss out who put this event on who was in charge of the guest list why are we here i find them first and instead of just being like hi nice to meet you I say, hi, I just want to introduce myself. My name's Emily Sobel. Thank you so much for having me. This is an amazing event. And then immediately the conversation starts. They're like, oh my God, thank you for coming. And then you say like, I always like to bring in something personal so that they know that I'm actually a fan of the brand. I'm not just trying to take things, but I'm also a consumer. So I'll use CoverGirl as an example. Last night, I introduced myself to the girls who were putting on the event. I said, thank you. I did the whole thing. And I was like, by the way, that foundation, the clean foundation, 
was amazing. I wore it in Columbia during a wedding weekend. It was 100 degrees out and my makeup didn't move. And you know how happy they were to hear that? Whether it was genuine or not, like I'm sure they'll remember me. They all followed me on Instagram afterwards. And I'm sure it meant a lot because they're working just as hard as we are. We just don't see it on front of a screen. So when it comes to brands and PR, try to do something personable, be professional and just say thank you. Most of the time, these brands just want to feel Um, gratitude for all of the hard work that they've put in. We may be going to like a two hour cocktail party, but they've been probably working on this for a few months with gift bags and invite lists and brand partners. So just the fact saying thank you instead of just going and taking your pictures and leaving, like I know means a lot and goes a long way and they'll remember that. Um, If you have the opportunity to exchange contacts, I always try to exchange contacts. I'm always one to be like, what's your Instagram? Let's keep in touch. Or how long are you in Miami for? Let me know if you need any recommendations. The CoverGirl team, one of the girls is here till Saturday. So I was like, listen, if you need anything, if you need a suggestion of food, vibe, whatever, feel free to message me. And then I'll go from there. I'll be like, what's your email? Like, let me send you my media kit for future ops. So on the work side, that's one thing. If you're at an event and you're alone, you don't have a plus one. And let's say there's a TikToker or an influencer you recognize, someone you may follow on Instagram. I will always be that first person to be like, hey, I know this is weird. We may not know each other, but I'm pretty sure we follow each other on Instagram. You know, I went to a skincare class a few weeks ago and there was a girl sitting by herself and I recognized her from TikTok because she made the funniest video. So I got up out of my chair. I walked over. I was like, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. This is so weird. I didn't even say it was weird because it's not weird. It's the world we live in. I was like, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to say I'm such a fan. I follow you on TikTok. Turns out she's my age. She just moved to Miami. She's single. She's super cool. And we're in the same world. So now I have a new friend and a new network contact so that, yes, this new friend is great. But when I'm building out my Miami media list, now I have another influencer to add to the list for dines and invites and whatever. So like I'm never not working, but I also don't. I'm not, it's not like a tit for tat thing. Like your networking can mean so much and it doesn't necessarily mean I'm trying to take anything. It just means how can I elevate you and how can you elevate my business and how can we work together so that we're constantly getting booked and busy together and we're helping each other out together because that's what influencer culture is. And I think a lot of these girls forget that. And I'll stop after this, but the reason why I love Miami is we're very (laughs) collaborative. We are not competitive here. So I think if you're trying to compete and take things, that's not going to work in this city. I think people quickly realize that there's plenty for everyone. If an opportunity doesn't come my way, there will always be something else. There's room for everyone to get invited. There's room for everyone to succeed. So the second that people realize that they should be collaborating, just like you and I collaborate and hang out and network and share contacts, it opens up so many doors for all of us because it makes us all look good at the end of the day. I absolutely agree that collaborating is such an important part of this industry and sometimes definitely forgotten because everybody's chasing that deal or I don't know, but you can't make it alone. And it's so much, so much more fun to do things together. I know that like when I was in New York, I felt so much more competition versus when I moved to Miami. Exactly what you're saying. I just felt Miami was much more collaborative and welcoming, not to like talk shit about New York, but in New York, people were more just fighting for themselves. Because that's, it's a different energy that's the only option, and I guess. yeah, I mean, life's too short. I don't know if you're not going to be happy with what you're doing, then like, what's the point? So like, I don't know. You guys are all my coworkers. I want to have coworker friends, you know, you mentioned that you met this girl and she was single. Does that mean that you are single? Yes, I am single. 
I absolutely want to talk about since this is the bougie best friend podcast and we love to talk about relationships you said that you were single and that you are so very career oriented do you feel any pressure from your family because i do every single day yes asking when i'm gonna get married (laughs) yes i mean i don't know if croatians and jews have that in common but you know listen my parents are very proud of me and it's more of like a pressure of like all of my friends from childhood and a lot of my people in my age are settling down and having kids which I love it. I love love. I am so happy to see all of my friends getting married and have these awesome partners who have turned into my friends. And it's amazing. Like, I love the babies. For me, I've never, ever had the fantasy of like the big wedding and having babies and being a mom. Like, I'm still kind of waiting for that to happen. And I hope that happens when I meet the right person. But honestly, I'm more focused on building my business and freezing my eggs so that I can worry about it later if and when the time comes. Dating in Miami is really hard. And at this point, I've been single for so long. I've dated a lot of guys. I've been single for so long because I don't I know what I want, which I know you're, you approve of, and I know who I am as a person. <laughs> so I don't necessarily need anyone, but I would love to have a partner to be my plus one to events, to travel with, to like go to weddings and just to give my love to. But Miami is the type of place where a lot of men don't necessarily love that. And I get it. I just can't be that person. So it's a little bit of a struggle. I also like to keep my love life very private. I, when I was younger, I was like all over the internet with my boyfriends. And now I'm just kind of like, everyone's always going to have something to say. People are judgmental dating. It's a small town, you know? So I like to date people Mm -hmm. who are kind of like off the grid, whether they don't have social media or they're not from Miami and they came like from wherever they came from. But yeah, I just, it's more of like, I just haven't met anyone that I'm like, wow, I want to introduce this guy to my parents. You know, I'm waiting for that. And I'm trying my new year's resolution is to like put myself out there more and be a little more open-minded when it comes to dating. Cause I definitely have not prioritized that. And that's something I fault myself for, but I don't have any regrets because I've spent the last few years really falling into my own and figuring out who I am. And I'm finally, I'm, I love me. I'm proud of me. I'm good with me. So now I feel like there's room for someone. So hopefully it will change, but if it doesn't, it's also okay. I love that you mentioned that you know exactly what you want and that you're not settling for a guy who just doesn't really match your vibe. Can you speak more on that? Because I feel like a lot of girls today are in these shitty relationships because they're scared to be alone. So when I moved back home from college, I'm, I'll forever be grateful to, for my dad for this. When I moved back from college, I had roommates all of college. And when I was looking, I lived back home for a few months before I found my place. And I remember I was like thinking, do I want a roommate or do I not want a roommate? And my dad sat me down. He's like, you know, Emily, I think it's really important for you to be by yourself for a little and pay your own rent and, and pay and do your life on your own. Because I know so many people who got married super young and they were married forever. And then, you know, husbands pass away, they get divorced, whatever. So my parents really wanted me to know how to be independent. And I come from a lot of privilege and I recognize that I'm so beyond lucky for everything my parents gave me, but the work ethic my parents instilled in me, like, I'll give you an example. I was raised with a nanny and a housekeeper, but my parents would always be like, but you make your bed and you do your dishes because you're not paying her. We are. And I just remember, I was like, you're right. Like the least I can do is make my bed. Why would I ever leave a dish in the sink? So like these little things that my parents put in me just made me 
who I am today. So now like I really don't need anyone. Like I've lived happily on my own for the last seven years. I love my apartment. My biggest fear is like, wait, if a guy moved in here, where would they move? Cause like, this is my space. <laughs> where would you put um, all of your stuff? <laughs> no, no, no. I need a two bedroom just for me. Let's be real. But with that said, like I, I'm, I'm definitely a romantic at heart. So I think the re I have a lot of walls up because I know who I am and I know what I want. And you know, I've dated guys who are a little bit controlling or who don't necessarily love that I've plans all the time and they try to give me shit for being busy when I'm like no 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 this isn't gonna work my parents are that type of relationship they've been married for 35 years my mom was in Asia for a month with my grandmother and her best friend and her mother my dad was like I'm so happy she's having the best time I talk to her every day that's what I want and they go on plenty of trips together but my dad doesn't need to do that all the time and that's why I'm sure that's plays a big role in why I'm single too because I look at my parents and their healthy happy fun adventurous relationship and I'm like okay cool this is what I want where do I find it I want someone <laughs> ambitious with dreams like I do I don't want to settle I feel like there's so much of this world that I haven't explored so at this point in my life I want a partner who's gonna be like let's go to Colombia for a week and just like eat and have fun like that's my dream because I already do that by myself and with my friends and you know even this week in Cartan I'm like it would have been nice to have like a hot man with me but it's okay I was with my friends so yeah, it's being single in this world is weird, but everyone always has something to say no matter what. You know, the second I get a boyfriend, it's when are you getting married? And when you get married, it's when are you having kids? So mm -hmm. I've kind of just realized that no matter what, you're never going to please everyone. So I'm just going to like do me and make money and pay my bills and be happy and stay healthy and, and surround myself with people who I love. And hopefully at some point, hopefully sooner rather than later, I'll meet a great guy who matches that energy and adds to my life and doesn't like take away what I've built. So yeah, that's kind of why I've stayed single for so long because it's hard out here. <laughs> no, I love this. And I think it's very important for girls to hear this perspective because sometimes when they are surrounded with all of these friends who are in relationships, they fall into this narrative of like, oh, why, why can't I find someone? Why can't I do this? Instead of just focusing on themselves and their careers and trying to be the best version of themselves they can be. And I, I know this sounds like such a cliche, but actually when you are happy with yourself and you're confident in who you are, that's when you're going to find that partner or that, you know, that person who's just going to add to your life. They're not going to become your entire life. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think just maintaining your independence, even in a partnership is so important. And yeah, you never know, you know, life is hard. So I'm just, I want to know that I'm good on my own no matter what, because you never know what's going to come at you. Emily, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners when it comes to career advice, networking or influencing? I know that's such a broad question, but it's more of like, I just think if you want to do something, do it. I've always had this mindset my whole life. I've, if there's ever something you think you want to try or a place you want to go or a person you want to talk to, why not just do it? I think life is too short. You never know what can happen if you go after what you want. And I'm a perfect example. I thought I was going to start a business after 30 and all this stuff when I thought everything I needed to do was going to be done. And I just did it when I was ready and it's been the best thing ever. And, you know, I, I attribute that to just me saying, screw it. I'm going to try this and apply for this and say yes to this and meet these people. And it's opened up so many doors and I can honestly say I'm really happy, which is 
all that matters. So yeah, I don't know. Do what makes you happy. I don't know. Most important part of our life. Yes. Yes. And if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. My dad always says that. Always. And he's so right. He's so right. <laughs> I'm excited to meet your dad. I met your mom. She oh, he's the best. Amazing. So I think I you would to love meet him. Dad next. <laughs> he's just wise and I appreciate it. I'm like, thank God. <laughs> Emily, this was wonderful. And I hope that our listeners learned a lot. I mean, I learned a lot. I can definitely hear you speak all day, every day, because you're a wealth of knowledge. So please share your socials. You. Where can everybody find you? Thank you. Um, thank you for having me. My Instagram is at Emily Sobel, E-M-I-L-I-E. And on TikTok, I'm Emily in Miami. But yeah, on TikTok, Instagram, every I'm on everything, but Instagram and TikTok are my <laughs> main ones. <laughs> I'm going to link everything in the show notes. And on that note, I'm going to thank everybody for listening to another episode of Bougie Best Friend Podcast. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>